0: Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian
1: Berg. All right. Welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We are all bow hunting all the time. And today I'm excited to have uh, an old friend back on the show for the first time in a while. That's Mr. John Dudley from Knock On Archery. John, how the heck have you been?
0: I've been good, man. It doesn't stop here. Keep going.
1: That's it. You can't (laughs) stop. You know, once you lose, it's uh, I talk about that. It's a good life lesson. It's uh, it's one of the laws of physics. You know, an object at rest tends to stay at rest and an object in motion tends to stay in motion. And do you know the scientific term for the uh, force that's required to take an object at rest and put it in motion? Well,
0: I think it's momentum inertia. What? What are you saying? What gets it going or keeps it going? Momentum get, keeps it going.
1: Yeah, what gets it
0: going? Uh, I, well, what's funny but, is my post for today is actually uh, is a kettlebell post, and and it's uh, motivation gets you going, commitment well, keeps
1: you going. <laughs> you're you're That's on the my run. formula today. You're on the right track because in if you remember this from like, you know, 11th or 12th grade physics, there's a dirty four letter word for the force required to take an object at rest and put it in motion. And it's called work. So (laughs) um, I always tell people, you know, once you have momentum, it's a lot easier to maintain it than it is to stop and start again, because that requires work or more work. You know what I mean?
0: It's so So, true. It's, it's so true. Oh, and yeah. it's, and it's funny. Uh, it's funny how, mo- how that all like ties in to when you watch someone draw a certain type of cam for the first time, even if they're all 70 pounds, it's funny. You wouldn't think it by, by seeing some people and how much work they would prefer to put in early or how much work they prefer to put in late. Like it's a, it's a direct reflection of, of that exact
1: thing yeah so that's a that's a good lead-in to where i want to start today because we've got a bunch of stuff that i know uh that we're going to talk about but i i kind of want to start with your your new knock on bow that you guys have put together for this year with PSE. Obviously that's a continuation of a a successful series that you guys have had for several years now. But before we do that, I need to remind everybody that the bow hunting podcast is brought to you by Lancaster Archery Supply for all your bow hunting needs. Visit LancasterArchery.com. We've got the gear. We've got the (laughs) knowledge. We've got the passion. So, Dang, how
0: many times are you going to throw that in? That's and it. And you pronounce that, Lancaster correctly. I'm, is, I'm here to say Lancaster for all the non-PA people out there.
1: If if you don't live in Pennsylvania, you can go to LancasterArchery.com. If you live here, you go to LancasterArchery.com. And, you know, actually, if you go to LancasterArchery.com, there's a special Pennsylvania-only section of the site, some select curated collections that aren't available to people in <laughs> Iowa, John. So... Yeah. You want to go to the in-state site. No, that's the one gratuitous mention. It's actually, it's exciting. Uh, It's been great to have them come on board this year and that's their gratuitous mention for today's episode. And uh, I want to hear more. I love those Um, guys. They're great. They're great. Uh, The whole team does a a, a good job. And, uh, but I want to talk, I want to talk about the knock on Unite because, um, you know, you guys launched that at ATA this year. And uh, from what I hear, it's, doing pretty darn well for you guys and this is how many yeah years? i mean they just how, gotta get them going i got one my, right here actually how many years now john for the for the knock-on series from PSE?
0: um well so i went there uh january 1st 2020 was my first day so um i think i think it was 2020 yeah because it was just following covid year um and yeah, even at that time when they had talked to me about doing my own models, if I'm honest, when this goes way back, um I was I was very open, just so everyone knows out there, I want I do want to make sure everyone knows that like I'm not partial to what brand you choose. I I had a a very awesome opportunity to to go to PSC and one of the things that was different for them unlike any of the other people that I had talked to cuz I I talked to Matthews obviously where I started I talked to them I talked to them quite often I talked to P or uh I talked to the Hoyt guys quite often everybody kind of knew and and to be honest with you I wanted to be a free agent um but no no one wanted I I wanted to do a little bit for everybody and PSE was uh coming up on their 50th and they really wanted to uh kind of rekindle and rebrand uh the company and and get a a fresh start and they were telling me i could have my own model but honestly it didn't sink in at first it wasn't until you know right prior to the ata show when they're like no here's an engineer do whatever you want and and we're going to bring it out um, and then, you know, you can deliver the message about it however you want. So that started with the NTN, which was really just a flagship aluminum uh, riser bow that um, kind of just ran right there tight with some of the other leading bow companies out there with their high-end aluminum models. And I really went with specs that I knew would just be super forgiving and and a really pleasant user experience if i'm honest i didn't want to like push the envelopes too much um there was one thing i wish i would have pushed harder was um you know i had on the the original psc i was going to do was actually it wasn't going to be called an ntn it was going to be called a unite so the very first drawing i had was a bow that i'd been wanting to do for a long time which had a universal accessory installment method and because pse had history making picatinny rails for some of their military projects that they had done i thought this would be the perfect chance to be able to bring out a picatinny rail like built into a riser for mounting all accessories so that you could honestly detach them off the bow and be able to take a bow in a duffel bag on like a flying trip type thing. And they looked at me like I was freaking crazy. They just said, what are you talking about? Like, there's not gonna be any manu- any accessory manufacturers that are gonna make parts like this, which I actually had a few that told me that they would because they were partners of mine. But I did agree with them and think, you know, this is a little bit extreme to do uh, at the end of 2019. So I sidelined the name Unite and, brought out a bow for our knock on nation, which was sh- short, which was the NTN. And then um because that was a flagship aluminum model, the next one I was really passionate about and I'm always passionate about is what can bring people into archery. And so the Embark was, you know, a, a budget bow that had a ton of features that shot really, really well. And I shot it myself even. Um, and then the following year um I f- I was able to like I w- I've always wanted to make um the highest end bow that you can make if you didn't have to worry about a price tag and because the knock-on models weren't 100% PSE's flagship models as well like I could take chances which was cool right and so I really took a chance with the levitate and that bow Honestly, really speaks for itself. In my opinion, it's still the, the you know, the highest end bow made. I freaking, I love mine. And there's a 2.0 version this year that that's updated with some newer stuff. But the Unite came back into play um, because with, just with the rotation obviously now it's important to come back to a high-end aluminum model carbon isn't in everyone's budget that's just how it you know it's just how it works there's there's things that i look at that aren't in my budget um so this really gives you the ability to have a super high-end uh aluminum model that can fit a couple more budgets and honestly has a lot of the shootability and the bells and whistles of carbon um minus a few things mainly uh the weight you know is is the main thing and how it feels when you pick it up but the unite is uh it's a really awesome bow cuz we did utilize um the universal mounting systems now uh a lot of people uh, prefer just the straight slide dovetail on the back of the riser, which this one does have. I'm not using it personally. And then there's a Piccadini, uh mount that goes to the front of this bow. The brace height is still really forgivable. Uh, six and a half inch brace height. And this bow shoots unbelievably well. This one that I'm holding up, which I guess for the audio people that are listening, you're not going to be able to see it, but it's more or less, I did a bow build. Uh, It's on our YouTube channel. I did like a full bow build if you wanted to see it go together. Um, but this was kind of, I refer to it as my hybrid bow, which is a crossover between some target stuff. And I could hunt with it if I wanted to. And a lot, you know, a lot of the arrow, my arrow are very similar to, to being able to hunt with it as well. And I'm, I just can't believe how freaking good these bows shoot. I mean, that's, That's what it all boils down to for me is just how well these things shoot. And I think any lifelong PSE person out there, you know, 53 years or whatever the company's been around, I think there's a lot of people out there that have just been waiting for PSE to like become the marketing monster of some of the other companies. I think. And for those who use it, they recognize this is they are extremely underrated bows if in my opinion
1: well i mean to your point they um they just kind of uh continue to be right making high quality product for over 50 years now but maybe they they aren't As much about tooting their their horn as some of the other people, and um, you know, I I I see what you're saying, but at the same time, like you're going into year four with John Dudley now, so Knock On has a, a great following. So yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been an opportunity for a lot of people, you know, who had shot other brands. Obviously, you know, you came over from Hoyt, and but I'm sure you have. A lot of you know people who are tuned into what you're doing that shoot you know everything, and so there were probably a lot of folks whether they whether they shot a Hoyt or they shot something else who just hadn't really looked at PSE or maybe hadn't looked at PSE in a long time, and took you know a second look at the company and realized you know some of the things that they're doing and how innovative they are. And I found what you just said. Fascinating. Uh, going back to the very beginning of your answer with that unite because you know here you were ahead of your time, man. You were going to be <laughs> the the trendsetter because I actually wrote. It's funny. I have it laying right here in front of me. You know, this is our our gear guide for uh, our 2023 our equipment issue, and uh, I wrote my editorial for that about you know the big trend that I see is this whole integration um you know which really started with with qad and coming out with that integrate rest but you know look at it you know different lots of different rest manufacturers are utilizing that now and of course you see those picatinny rails on different bows and and it was like for a long time everybody was in their own bubble right the bow makers made the bows the accessory makers made the accessories but now it seems like there's a lot more collaboration and the idea is let's develop products from top to bottom that really complement one another and so that when you put them together you end up with a whole that really is greater than the sum of its parts it's not just a bunch of you know pieces and stuff out of the out of the the uh, various boxes but it's really designed to make a, a seamless unit and and it shoots you know so well when you put it all together
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, I don't know if you can see this, like, this is, uh, this is like one of my first sketches, you know, I always draw my chalkboard. So like that was, these are from like, these are from 2019, um, and what's funny is like, as I was like trying to show this system, my, my, my idea was always Well, to that's why,
1: that's why, <laughs> that's why yeah, you scared the yeah. engineers, they got on a conference call, and you started showing them those drawings. And they're like, Oh, man, what have we gotten ourselves into this guy's got like, kindergarten drawings, and he wants us to engineer yeah, this stuff.
0: They are too. Yeah, they are. I am. I am. I mean, they're like, so there's, there's chalkboards, in every every single building that that I own, every single one, there's chalkboards and there's always chalk right there. And and oftentimes my pants have melted chalk chalk in my pockets because yeah, I just if I have an idea, I've got to write it down really quick. And normally like I can't use notes because I kind of got to draw it, you know. So um but yeah that was that that's actually where the name came from and you know if you look you'll see the name has been trademarked for a long long time and and truthfully um like i had built a unite for rogan over like a year and a half ago um and i told him he couldn't shoot it anywhere because i've i've actually shot one or had one to shoot for a very long time behind me over there is some of the first generations but it's really nice because, um, I'm not on a timeline with p s e it really you know they asked me if I want to bring something out, and you know and honestly they they uh they let me put the testing behind stuff that I really want to there was I had two people shooting this unite um one was joe because his draw length short and then another one was um was actually lucas from grizzly forge knives um just because grizzly or uh, lucas has like a a 32 32 plus draw he actually has like a 30 just short of 33 so the very first one i made went to that long draw length so i had two people shooting it on the extreme ends of the cam and then i i shot it in the middle and kind of you know, went with that feedback to
1: dial it in. so you talk about uh, the unite as a you mentioned something a minute a couple minutes ago, a hybrid bow, which you're talking about, I guess uh, something that you can use, you know obviously for bow hunting, but maybe shooting some targets as well. So um what exactly in your mind you know makes it that good you know crossover candidate? Is it uh, you mentioned the brace height? Um, is it the, you know, is it a little bit longer bow is just some other things about the design that make it really stable and shootable?
0: Well, so what I refer to as a crossover, and I think this is, um, I'm going to, I'll spend a lot of, a lot of time this year, really focusing on this, especially in my, in my education is so when I started archery, one of the hard things for me was, I always shot target archery because I was a bow hunter and I wanted to be the best bow hunter I could be. But I also um it truthfully it took me a long time before I really had a bow that was like that I set up that was super specific for target to where honestly everything about it felt different, you know. It'd be like it'd be like driving, you know, your everyday car versus driving a a freaking formula one vehicle right so um and it was it was hard because a lot of like quote unquote target specific bows normally have a cam that's a little bit higher performance they normally have way less lead off they're normally longer to axle to axle you know you have a high powered scope in there you gotta you know you normally have back weights you got front weights and it's just a very You know, you're normally shooting like, you know, a lens in your peep They're They're very specific to target. Now, what I like and what I think is critical for people, it it all boils down to numbers and repetitions. And when people want to get good at archery, you can't change variables constantly or you're just never going to master the feel. Of archery because you know it's just like what I just talked about with cams. You could give someone a seventy-pound max bow, but let's face it, if you if you did a Hoy to P, honestly, if you did either of the two PSC cams, a Matthews and a Hoy, and an Elite, and an Expedition, those all pull, and a Botec. they're they're all way different. Like when you pull them, even though they peak at the same weight. There's a difference in how they feel. So when I'm talking hybrid bow, I'm trying to get people to take a bow that that they can utilize in a hunting situation, but modify it slightly to where they can improve their accuracy a little bit more over a true hunting setup um at events like Total Archery Challenge, for example, or even if you you know even if you go to Vegas and you' shoot in the bow hunting class. You know, they're which, you know, my bow right now would probably qualify for the bow hunting class in Vegas. And so a few of the small things that I do is I'll change the I'll change a little bit on the ballistics. So instead of having, you know, an arrow that has, you know, 175 grains in in the front or 150 total in the front, You know, I'll have like 100 or 125 in the front and I'll go down to a two inch vein instead of a three inch vein, um, which is just at those longer shots. Ballistically, if you're not steering a broadhead, it it's going to be superior. You're going to have more accuracy, less wind drift, less cast on the arrow. So like ballistically, I'll make a few small changes like that, even though I stay in the five or six millimeter Arrow diameter range, I just slightly change the ballistics so that I can get more yardage out of my quote unquote hybrid bow. The other thing I do is I'll lower the poundage of the bow. So instead of me going and trying to get, you know, 10,000 reps through the year at 70 plus pounds. You know, this hybrid bow is I've got a set of 60, you know, pound limbs on there, and right now it's maxing out at about 63 pounds. So it just lets me shoot longer and it lets me enjoy it longer, which you know the point of target archery and and summertime training is the repetition to build in you know, those motor skills. The other thing I'll do um, that's that's minimal is I'll go to a slightly smaller peep size because, you know, I'm not in a in a hunting blind at last light type thing. So having that slightly smaller peep definitely tightens up those groups. So those minimal changes like that allow me to practice at longer distances for longer periods of time. The longer distances is just a magnifying lens. It magnifies what I'm doing wrong. If, you know, when you're, when you really get good at shooting long distance, you've learned what slight mistakes impact and they magnify, they just, they open up and they get bigger and bigger and bigger the further you shoot. So if all of a sudden you realize, you know, well... Why am I, you know, why am I always um, shooting low at these longer shots? You know, three out of four times I'm low. Well, you start to recognize front sight rear sight alignment. A lot of times, once that sight comes down, it's easier to kind of fall out of your peep to where the front sight rear sight alignment starts to fade at the longer you're holding, for example, or if your follow through is not not correct, you all of a sudden start having these, you know, these arrows to the left, or you know, if you're If you're starting to kind of put a lot of heel into the bow and, you know, put too much front hand pressure on the riser, all of a sudden you start kicking some arrows out to the right. So it just, it helps me be able to be more accurate at the longer distances, but still have the same type of sight picture and the same type of feel is what i'm going to have on my hunting bow it's just a little bit less weight so i can get more reps
1: yeah that's interesting and even as you were talking i was thinking the new um accessory mounting options allow people who want to you could easily take that even a little bit further because you could easily um If you really really wanted to go more towards the target side you could shoot a different arrow you could even shoot a different rest site and then easily swap a a different rest site back onto the bow for hunting season but you're still getting most of those advantages which is you know it's literally the same bow right so your feel in your hand the draw cycle you know it might change just a little bit if you if you play with your weight if you crank it up for hunting season but i mean so much of that is still going to be the same and and i liked what you said about the long range shooting you know we we've said that many different ways over the years but that's a pretty elegant way to put it you know i like that magnifying glass analogy and those long range shots just being a, a measuring stick and as you were talking i was thinking yeah I mean, you wanna if you can get to the point where you can spend You spend as much time as possible shooting at those ranges that are uncomfortable for you, those ranges where it's really hard for you to shoot as well as you want to. And the reason you do it is because then when you shoot at the ranges you need to in hunting season, it's hard to miss. You know, it gets really hard to, and when I say miss, again, I'm thinking from a bow hunting perspective. I don't know if I can hit a a quarter, you know, every time in a bow hunting situation but if you've done most of your practicing at 80 yards it's going to be really hard to put an arrow outside the vital zone completely at 30. you know because those shots start to feel yeah re- really slam dunky you know what I mean when you've been standing out there at long range and then you come in it's like oh my goodness the target looks gigantic
0: yeah I I did a podcast with uh, Jocko last week he was here with me and we were doing a podcast and I kind of reflected back. So he's in his, I think his third season of elk hunting now might be, might be four, four bow hunting seasons. But last year, last year was, was a year where I actually took the training wheels off a lot of people that I'd been mentoring for the last several years. Um, And I would just been spending a lot of time, going on hunts with guys and making sure they got something first and kind of, you know, being with them and trying to, you know, trying to, trying to mentor them and guide them. And last year, several of my friends that I brought into the bow hunting community, I just kind of said, all right, you, like, you have all the tools you can ride on your own, like go on your own adventure and do it. And so Jocko was, um, he was hunting at the same place. I, w- I went and hunted the same week as him, but we, we didn't hunt together. You know, I kind of just said, dude, you're on your own. So he had a guy to call for him, but he got to like do his own things and do his own stocks. And, and honestly, one of the things that he did awesome was he took every opportunity he could, even if it was a bull, even if it was a bull or if it even wasn't a bull, even if it was a cow, he would take little opportunities at, for, like, practice to, like, try to stalk in and just kind of get the checkmate vibe and not make the shot so that he could just get more practice, which which was very smart and because it was, you know, real-world training at that point. And the bull that he shot was at 50 yards. And, you know, the way the whole thing played out, when it, like, came out and turned broadside – He said he pulled up his rain shinder and it said 50.0. And he, you know, I remember him telling me the story and he's just like, he just had this look in his face. Like, like he just knew that was done. Like once he saw it was at 50, like he had, it's not like he said, you know, I just sat there and worried about making a good shot. He's like, when I clicked 50, I'm like, you're freaking dead. And listen, dude, I don't know about you, but there was a time Where a fifty-yard shot in a hunting situation seemed like, honestly, I would probably reduce it if I was telling stories in public because I, I, you know, I I think people would have been like fifty yards. That's kind of a poke, but because everybody's training at double the difficulty now, these shots that honestly they're not unethical shots. These are shots that people that hunt out west have had to make forever you know it seems like if you're a western hunter 60 or less is a checkmate moment you know out there in that type of country uh you know 60 or less seems like a checkmate moment so i thought it was really cool that someone that's been hunting three years that makes it a point every year to go to a total archery challenge he goes to balboa park uh you know, for three months leading up to the hunting season and make sure, and he shoots 50, 60, 70, 80, 80, 70, 60, 50. And so he, he doubles the difficulty and it honestly, it, it makes, if you double the difficulty in practice, your game scenario is half as hard, you know, that's just how it works.
1: Yeah, that's, it's great advice and it's getting me, it's getting me excited to get out and, and start shooting because you know we're coming well as we're in early march here and uh it, it's getting time for me to soon come out of hibernation i hate the cold i'm getting old john and when it gets cold in the winter time you know i don't i like to stay inside but it uh you know it, it is getting to be that time and um it's going to be a it's going to be a good year and you had me thinking about out west I mean like yeah I was thinking about my last antelope hunt and uh and I shot that goat at 55 and and we decoyed that thing in it was really neat but that's close you know on an antelope like 55 yards it's hard to get closer than that I mean that country you know it's there's not a blade of grass higher than your ankle so I don't know how you're going to move on that thing you know what I mean and when you're in that
0: open of area, you know, when that thing comes in, you're expecting your rangefinder say like 32, you know, cuz it looks they look like they're right on top of you, but yeah, when you're like 50, you're like, okay, well, I'm not getting any closer than that cuz I mean, he looks like, you know, the fact that he's this close is pretty crazy. So, yeah. I I think the archery industry has done such an awesome job right now about not not only making equipment that makes it easier for people to be accurate at longer distances cuz the you know the technology is just so much more advanced uh there's just great there's great products in every single category but obviously the the information that's out there you know that's that's where my passion is 100% and you know I see people that I'm coaching for a year And when I when I'm like looking at pictures of them and then I go back and look at pictures of myself 10 years into my career, they already look better. You know, they they, it's like they're already making shots where it's like, man, it took me two decades to get to that point. And now people are able to get there in in a year, in a tenth of the time. I mean, honestly, a tenth of the time because there's just such great information on the technique and there's way more shops that are building bows correctly and, and readers that are able to, you know, to do some of the fine tuning maintenance stuff themselves at home. And there's just been no better time for the success of our industry. And, and honestly, when you look at the success of like the, the quality of animals that get shot, by tens of thousands of people where back when I started and I was, you know, working at Matthews as a teenager and people would mail in their photos for the catalog. You know, there's you, you would sit there and look at some of these pictures and think, wow, this is crazy that 30 people shot, you know, Pope and young deer across the whole U S but then, you know, now with social media, you're almost like, 30 people
1: in a state social media is terrible because because you know you're the only one who didn't shoot one if you just look at social media now but you were you were talking I mean yeah I was thinking you ever watch the old like NFL films footage and you know and they'll show like Johnny Unitas or Terry Bradshaw and some of these older quarterbacks and you look at these guys and they look like honestly, like smaller than you, John. And you're thinking, yeah, there's guys (laughs) playing division one football now. It's an analogy, right? Who will not even get a sniff in the draft. And they would have been like the specimen of the league back when those guys were playing. And so it's just a parallel, you know, everything has progressed so much. The information, you know, the, the knowledge and the equipment, the training, everything that's available to people now is you can absolutely do it. And I actually wanted to go there next with you because people are always hungry for information and things that can help them to shoot better. And again, not everybody is going to necessarily shoot one of the PSE knock on bows, although you ought to check them out if you're looking for a bow. But I know you spend a lot of time for, you know, friends, uh, people who, You know, are part of your knock-on community. You know, listening to your podcast, consuming your videos. You do a lot of custom bow setups, and I'm wondering if you know you don't get some insights by doing that because you're keeping your hand uh, so tightly, you know, involved in the setup of the bows and then coaching people. What are some of the things that you're really seeing these days that have opened your eyes? you know cuz you're always getting better too you know what 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 are some things that people ought to really be thinking about and looking at when they're setting up a bow and when they're starting to shoot a new bow to help them you know get the most out of it
0: yeah that's a that's a multifaceted loaded question too <laughs> um i certainly like this time of year is really when i focus on myself I, you know, I, I come out of hunting season with any type of bad habit. You know, it's not like I have a controlled situation in every shot sequence. So, you know, sometimes I feel a little bit more rushed. Um, I haven't shot near as many arrows throughout the hunting season. So once winter comes, I really like to focus on practicing every day. I focus in a controlled situation. I I really, you know, as much as I used to hate, indoor archery because i i was a 3d guy when i started in a hunting guy so i felt like you were putting me in a cage when i went to 18 meters but then when i started um shooting competitive target archery uh and i had to train for like indoor nationals and stuff it took me it took me several years to actually like it i did not like it i hated it but, what happened was I also what I hated more was i hated I hated losing more, and i I wasn't good at it, so I had to get good at it, you know. and once honestly, once I got to the point where like I had shot my first thirty x three hundred round, all of a sudden you start to realize, wait a minute, there's like a new bar at what I'm capable of shooting. And so, when you're not shooting like that you you're seeing regression so you know i just got to the point where i realized that 18 meters is a polishing stone you know it is a polishing stone for your shooting technique to where that x count is the blade and you know as you just keep working on small details for a week at a time, you're just refining that edge and refining that edge and refining that edge. And and I'm I'm very upfront with our followers. And you know, when I started my indoor shooting back in November or December, you know, I shot like a 296 or 295 or something. I missed a few. You know, I'm getting tired by the last arrows and two out of three arrows land. And and what I'm trying to show people is I'm not a 300 shooter all the time. You know, I have to, when my, when my edge has dings in it, you know, I've got to start with that coarse stone and I have to, I have to reshape the edge, which for me is normally, you know, going from 80 pound hunting bow down to a bow that's in the sixties and, you know, being able to draw back a little smoother each and every time and start to get to where, you know, the the cadence of my shot routine starts to come together. My shots are starting to look the same. And then all of a sudden I get a 300, but my X count, you know, might be in the high teens or low twenties. And then you just, you know, every week I'm like, I want to, I want to put one or two rounds forward that are at least a little bit better than last week. And you just, you start to polish that edge. And that's what's, that's for me, that stuff is, critical but like in addition to that having people here that are starting that process from the beginning so if I have someone come out and uh and do, do a bow build it really helps me and what I bring forward to the social media community because every every student has something different that they bring out of me as a coach naturally, whether it's working on, you know, whether it's showing them something small that they never knew about on their equipment or whether it's showing them something with their form. And it just by doing that this time of year, it just allows me to come forward with content that that is very relevant, which if you're only focusing on your shooting and yourself, that stuff, sometimes gets so distant that it's just it becomes not a focal point. So that's why so much of my passion is getting people here, you know, getting them in the archery for one or getting them here and doing like a bow maintenance thing or an overhaul, which for me instantly is a content piece like, okay, look at this guy. He's been hitting lower and lower and lower all year. Check out the serving separation that's underneath his knocking points, you know, or underneath his D loops. And then, obviously, it just gives me another tool for for education.
1: Yeah, so a couple things that I wanted to follow up with you there. Do you actually recommend for your students uh, or just anybody who follows you, you talked about kind of like that whetstone or that measuring stick. Do you actually encourage people, hey, even though You may never shoot competitive archery if you really want to get a barometer of your your progress, you know, because I agree with you. Right. Nobody. It's almost impossible to tread water. You know, everybody in life, no matter what it is, it's archery, magazine editing, you know, writing, uh, running, anything you're either getting better or you're getting worse it's very hard to just maintain perfect equilibrium and the reason for that is, is as soon as you take your foot off the gas you start to decelerate so you're either working to get yeah, better back to or the you're, start of the
0: show yeah or
1: you're getting worse you know and um so do you do you actually recommend to people like you know what every week or every month or whatever go actually shoot around you know put a target face up on your block target in the backyard and shoot and actually write down your scores and, you know, make some notes about, you know, if you're not shooting well, where's the arrow going? And then really spend some time thinking about that. What What is going on? What am I doing? What's wrong with my equipment, et cetera? And, and if you're not improving, there's a problem because you ought to be improving.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely... I give homework all the time, you know, all the time because I I, and what I'm really doing is I'm really telling people what my homework is. Um, You know, I'm telling people what my homework is and I put it out there and I'm like, okay, here's what you need to do. Like, for example, last week, um, one of the homework, one of the homework assignments was I went from four arrow practice ends. I bumped it up to six. And one of the things that I showed was I showed a video of six shots from an end, all starting simultaneously at the same time. And you can see shots one, two, three, four, five, and six, you can see, honestly, like shots four and six, that the, you know, shot six was probably five seconds six seconds longer than shot number two you know and when it actually went off so you can see as I got tired by adding those two reps my shooting technique broke down so you know you have to like you said you've got to build like you you know if you want to improve as a runner you can't just do three miles every single day like you you need to some days you need to add in four or five, you know, you might need to do a four or five, or well, maybe one day is a sprint or one day is hills. And so that's what I had to do. That's what I have to do with shooting too, in order to in order to keep my baseline, you know, on a continual upslope right now. And that's that's what I want. I want a a gradual upslope to where by the last total archery challenges, I'm shooting my absolute best of the year by July. And you know, July is my is my goal date of being the best shooter I can for the whole year, because that then it gives me about two or two and a half weeks in August to convert my quote unquote hybrid bow over to a heavier poundage bow with a little bit heavier arrow and you know a longer fletchings. Start to sight in with broadheads. You know, have the quiver on your bow and it it allows me to go into hunting season at my peak and at my best. And I you, think I think if other people follow that protocol, they're gonna end up having the season of their lives.
1: Yeah, and you talked about, you know, giving homework and various lessons and such for those who who may not be, you know, tuned into it already. We're you know, somebody might be listening and be like, "Well, I want I want this week's homework assignment." You know, where do people get that? Is that through your podcast, uh through your your, you know, videos? Where do people go?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's our website is honestly is probably the most diverse website in archery. It's de- I mean, we put a ton into it and and I need to do a better job of telling people the tools there, but our website um is not just a web store. When you go in, obviously, you're gonna see products. But um you can scroll down and you know, especially if you go to the like little hamburger sandwich menu thing, you know you'll see the ability to go to the store or you're going to see the ability to go to you know different categories, whether it's knock fit or knock to fork or whether it's you know school of knock stuff and within the school knock there's tons of different categories so we actually have a wordpress half of our website functions completely as a wordpress and vlog and you know we've got videos we've got written content we've got all that stuff other half of it does function as a as an e-commerce side so you can certainly go there and literally dive in all you want and that gets updated as soon as we make posts those same videos will then go to the website if websites aren't your consumption then knock on tv on instagram knock on archery on youtube or knock on archery on facebook um are where you could go and you know honestly there's i shouldn't say there's no one that can do it but someone's going to have to be seriously freaking motivated to outwork me in the content space i mean Someone's going to have to dedicate their life to it. Like this year, you know, I've got 300 videos that will launch in in, uh, 2022 or 2023. There'll be 300 content pieces of just videos that you can consume, you know, if you're following our social media or YouTube channel or being on the website. Um, I'm, I'm dedicated to it every single day, every single day.
1: I was going to say that's almost a video a day for a whole year, man. 300 videos.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. Not a problem. Um, and the <laughs> other a thing. Problem. I do it 14 other,
1: hours a day, man. <laughs> the other thing that you touched on, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking that people are curious. You know, you talked about, you know, some of your events and things that you have where you actually bring people in. Is that something that just anybody? Do I have to be? You know rich and famous or can can i just come and learn from you uh right there too uh you know and if i can how do people find out about that
0: well you know there's obviously there's people I, that are high-end profile people that i feel like are important to archery but i think if you follow me you'll realize that i real i try to continue to bring new people into the hunting community and archery community, like, you know, yeah, I might work with a high end person, um, but I hold their hand for a year or two and then I let them move on and make their own decisions. So I, I definitely work with those people because I feel like it's important for archery, you know, and and really that's what it boils down to. I think having some some higher profile people that are saying, yeah, I hunt. Yeah, I I, you know, I shoot my own meat. I cook my own meat. Um I think those people are critical but listen we like knock on we spent about 75 or 80 grand last year um giving back into the archery community because like you know when we go to the total archery challenge ranges you know there's a lot of staff that has to go there there's a lot of travel that goes there we buy the range you know and we're we're paying for our followers to be able to come and interact. Um, and, you know, and then if I do, like I did several bow auctions last year for everyday people, um, actually uh, three out of the four students that I've had this year are everyday, everyday Joes that won a knock-on experience somewhere through an organization that gave all proceeds to a good cause. Um, So yeah, I certainly, you know, for me, my balance is I give people who 100% are our followers and an everyday person, I give them the chance throughout the year at different ways to come here. And then I have these other people where, you know, I feel like it's very, very, very good marketing for the archery industry for this person to be able to you know, be shooting their bow in Hollywood somewhere, or you know, be an athlete on the field that's shooting the bow and And because I'm doing it on both sides, I feel like for me, it gives me balance um, in the yeah, middle and, 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 and I, you and know I, some years, I'm really focused on
1: military. Yeah. No. And I apologize. I didn't. If that came out the wrong way, because I didn't mean it. Uh. You know, like you're only with those those caliber of folks. And I agree with you. You know, like having a Rogan. Uh. You know, taking arrows. You know, no pun intended. Um. That's kind of like a shield for for the rest of us, right? Because you have people there who are in positions of influence, and they're. And again, come back to the analogy of you're either getting better or you're regressing, right? You're either expanding your territory if you're an empire or you're or you're shrinking because there's always barbarians at the gates. Right. And they want to they want to take what you've worked to have. And so, yeah, if you can have people who are warriors, you know, in 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 the culture war if you will and they are helping to expand our territory then that's good for all of us um i just wanted to highlight yeah. that that you do have some of those opportunities where it isn't just those folks who can get you know with you personally whether it's something that you're doing at a camp they're you know in Iowa at, at your place or you're out at a total archery challenge which is probably one of the easiest ways for people who are like man I really want to go meet John I'd love to have an opportunity to maybe fling some arrows with him those are great opportunities 100 percent
0: yeah 100 <laughs> yeah. percent you know that's honestly we you know we do like seven events on the road it gives people the, the ability to to come to us you know it it comes down to bandwidth I I offer free content every day, you know, every day I'm, you know, doing a blog post or a new videos going up, or I'm, you know, doing some type of a feed where I'm, I'm literally sharing my coaching experiences constantly, but, you know, there's a few store appearances that I do here and there, especially if it's for a good cause. Um, but it just kind of comes down to bandwidth. A lot of people assume because, You know they say you know he doesn't have a job he just does archery i i mean i think you know how busy i am um i actually work for 10 times the amount of people that you know people know about i do a lot behind the scenes in the industry um so i try my best to to really document those uh coaching experiences and the learning experience and the setup experience and then even, like, if I'm doing a design, um, like, for example, like with the Unite, you know, I have to, like, document that process as well so that once that bow launches, people see how much time and energy actually, you know, went into that. So um, at the Total Archery Challenge, you know, I, I shoot every single person that registers on a knock-on course, every person, um, I shoot with them. On a target, you know. Last year, last year I shot with just over twelve thousand people. Is how many pictures I have of people it was just over twelve thousand that you know that I shot with and gave attention to and hopefully gave a prize to or or something that, like that. That is um,
1: awesome, man. How many? Honestly, like I don't want to interrupt, but that is so cool. How many? You talked about it earlier. You know, I don't know how many people can outwork you and all that. How many? anybody in our industry you know i don't care what you are what your role is how many people in the archery industry can say that i personally shot an arrow with twelve thousand different archers in a year
0: yeah i don't i don't know i just know <laughs> i know i know at attack event every morning you know they take me up to my range at 6 30 and i come down off The range at four o'clock every day once the last uh registered shooter group comes through. And you know, there's groups of anywhere from I mean, norm two is pretty not not common, but normally, you know, it's four people to seven people, you know, every literally as soon as four arrows can be gone, I'll turn around. There's gonna be another four to seven there. And it's just, you know, it's just constantly coming through and and, uh, you know, when you look at like PA in Michigan, you know, if you go there, especially once I get down to the booth area, um, I, I want to spend time with people 100 percent. I spend as much time with people as I can. And, you know, that honestly, that's that's just who I am. And it's what I'm passionate about. A lot of people that I think don't know me have assumptions, but I'm there. I'm there for the grassroots bow hunter you know and i'll i try to help in any possible way i can because i'm just to the point in this in this sport where i'm i'm very much at a give back phase you know i'm i'm that's what my focus is right now and as long as i can continue to shoot decent um i'm gonna continue to use what what energy and And I don't know, accuracy I have left to do whatever I can to grow the to grow the industry.
1: Yeah, uh, it's funny you said earlier, people say you don't have a job, you know, you just shoot archery. But truthfully, it's a very hard thing to reach a point that you've reached. And again, it's not just archery. It could be any walk of life. But there are some people whose job is literally being them and and you're one of those people you know you've reached a point where your job kind of is being john dudley and it has to do with everything that you've accomplished in competitive archery and in bow hunting and you know a lot of a lot of people think hey i'd like to be there but it is a double-edged sword because uh, on the one hand it opens up a lot of really exciting opportunities for you uh it gives you a lot of flexibility but the, the other side of that sword is that you can never turn it off, you know? And so you're John Dudley from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed and you can spend time with a thousand people but if that thousandth and first, you know, just doesn't feel like you had yeah. 30, 30 minutes to talk and then that person is a little bit upset or felt rubbed the wrong way. And yeah. all of a sudden those few bad stories, you know, can can circulate way more. And that's just the nature of the world. People love to complain a hell of a lot more than they love to praise.
0: Yeah, yeah. And honestly, um, like with that, you know, it it gets really hard um, at the TAC events because there there's like two things last year that happened that came to mind. One was uh, I had to at the end of Colorado, I had to get Sharon to an or- airport to fly her home. And then uh, me and another one of our guys had to kind of tail- tailgate each other to head towards uh towards like big sky or or park city or something but we had to make sure you know we were getting sharing to the airport in time and we actually had a, a trailer company deliver a new smaller trailer there and so I was pulling the big trailer and we had the sprinter van and there was another small trailer that was supposed to get pulled behind the sprinter van and there's always chaos breaking down after an event. You know that, right? And and breaking down your vendor village, then breaking down two camps. And we're like, kind of on the way out. And we realize that we don't have the right ball hitch for this new trailer that's there. So there's just chaos going on. And we're trying to like, buy a used ball hitch off, the people that run the ski hill and like, we're trying to figure out who has a monkey wrench to get this thing off. And like all this stuff's going down and I turn around and there's a guy there and he's like, Hey, John, uh, didn't get to see you this weekend. And he, you know, he just starts talking and, you know, and I'm like mentally I I hadn't like stopped. And luckily my wife Sharon just kind of like comes over within like, Honestly, within one or two sentences, because he just kind of said, hey, I haven't got to see you. I'm from so-and-so, I'm blah, blah, blah. And so Sharon like kind of just grabbed my arm and she's like, he came by the booth several times looking for you and you weren't there. But um, this is one of our really good customers from the store. And so I and all she was doing is like telling me this is your thousand two thousandth and first for this event like you know this last guy um and she knew how much stuff was going on but for me i just realized like okay freaking this guy has waited till four o'clock on a sunday and he finally saw you by yourself and you know came over and started the conversation like you've got to do it and The other one that sticks out my head was, um, coming back from, from Montana. I was coming back and, you know, after six months on the tack tour, it's hard, you know, it, 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 there's, you're just worn down, especially when you're, you know, you're driving, you're pulling a camper, you gotta be focused. Um, and, and not to mention, dude, you know, I, I have to, I sit on a hundred yard target You know, I sit on a hundred-yard target for three to four days, and at any given time, there's twenty people there watching me shoot. Like, I can't. You can't blow a
1: single shot for the whole. Yeah, I can't.
0: Like, I can't have any stupid brain farts. You know, and so when that last tack is done, I normally like as soon as I like. my bow in the bow case for like three consecutive years, I've just given the biggest high five to Sharon, like, thank God nothing stupid happened. Um, You know, whether it's a D loop break or freaking I don't who know, you know, knowing me not moving my sight, not freaking putting an arrow on the D like there's so many things I can have a brain fart about. So, I was just so pumped to be able to go home and and I ended up pulling over it at a pilot and parking in the middle of nowhere and like sleeping for a few hours. And, you know, and all of a sudden, as soon as I heard morning traffic, I had to get up and I like came out of the camper and like, you know, my freaking short shorts and, you know, whatever I freaking slept in, probably bare feet. And I literally walked outside. For to let Luna take a dump, and I had like coffee, my hair's all jacked up, you know. And here's like people sitting there because they saw the trailer, and they're like sitting there and just like, "Hey, dude, can we just get a quick pick? We got to go to work." And I'm just like, "Uh, yeah, let's do it." So yeah, you you definitely have to be on all the time, and and honestly, there's certainly times where where you're not and that just happens
1: yeah well I mean I you probably do a a heck of a lot better job than than I would with it because I'm crabby and uh I don't know man that's probably why you're doing it and I'm not but I will say this you know I mean you guys or you guys you and I have known each other for pretty long time now and you know there was a time that we you and i used to talk a lot more often you used to do a lot of writing for us here at the magazine and and you know this whole knock-on thing just blew up and and you were you were pulled in other directions and they're good directions you know and and it's great great to see everything that you've done And, and i'm just saying this you know, again, to reinforce what you've said, I would say that even though you and I don't have the opportunity to interact as much as we used to, as far as I'm concerned, you're still the same guy, you know, and when we do see each other, you know, I had a chance really briefly. Again, it was a similar thing at ATA this year. We were at the innovations event and like literally you just had person after person after person. I was standing, you know, 30 feet away from you for quite a while. And I could see that there was just groups and groups and groups of people wanting to spend time with you. I finally got, you know, like two minutes to get in there and just say hi to you and Sharon. And uh, honestly, it was better seeing her than it was you, which, you know, everyone's does. Uh... <laughs> she's oh she's so sweet i mean i love her and um uh, but in all seriousness man i mean it was great and every time you know every, i always feel like every time you know we get together it's like it's like i just saw you yesterday so i mean i i think that you know you're you're doing a great job It's it's nice I appreciate still that, honestly, with everything like you just described, so many people are wanting your time when I do reach out and I try not to bite you too often. You always make time, you know, and you just spend over an hour with us right now. So, uh, man, yeah, I just say, yeah. yeah, I've
0: got a guy flying in today, too. I've got a, an everyday guy today and and uh, he leaves tomorrow at noon and at 230, I fly to Dallas, you know, for a meeting with a, you know, with a landowner that wants to hold a really awesome archery charity event, you know, and then I've got to fly back and get another person coming. But honestly, Christian, you were in that same, in that same mold. I mean, you were, you had kind of, you were kind of fresh with your editorial role at Peterson's, you know, you're a few years in and, 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 um, Luckily, you know, Ulmer recommended me do some writing for you and you you let me write for you for a few years. And um, and then, you know, you became a student of tension activated releases. You had target panic really bad. And we we you know, we worked through that. And then you ended up coming here on an Iowa tag and executed the freaking ultimate heart shot with the tension activated release and zero target panic. And we got to see that buck freaking pile up and you know, great, that that was this, ho- honestly, once you did that, once you did that, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm taking the training wheels off Christian here. He's freaking good to go.
1: Well, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the whole episode in and of itself, but yeah, what a great, awesome week that was, you know, what an incredible morning. And it's like, you talked about it earlier, you know, when you're like Jocko, man, when you're dialed in, when you're shooting one of those releases and you just know, man, the pin is on the vinyl and the shot's about to break. There is no other possible outcome than this arrow going right there. And the animal's going to die. That is like the ultimate confidence. Yeah. Man.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 This past year, I had just such a freaking ridiculously phenomenal year and yeah, it just got to the point where when that, when that shot broke and I could see that green pin, Right where it was sitting when the shot fired, I'm just like, "Uh oh, another one bites the dust."
1: Yeah,
0: you know it's it's awesome to have that confidence.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. So, hey, Christian, one thing,
0: one thing I'd love to talk about if we have a minute.
1: Oh yeah, we can go as long uh, as you you want, but I I don't want to kill your whole day. Go ahead. No,
0: no. One of the things I think it'd be cool to talk about is, um, you know, PSE just got acquired, um, which is a very good thing. You know, I, I haven't had the chance, you know, I've kind of made some posts about it, but I haven't really done a podcast, um, specific to it where I'm not limited on 60 seconds, but you know, one of the things, one of the moves that Pete Shepley made was honestly, when, uh because i i knew that my i knew that at the end of 19 i was going to be technically a free agent you know and and like i said i i was open with everybody who had sent me an email and said hey you know if you're ever not happy here or whatever and i had kind of just told everyone listen at the end of 19 i'd love to talk my contracts up and and you know i wanted honestly i really wanted to try to go um, to where I wasn't singular for brand, just for the purpose of, I don't, I I hope people that follow me, um, or our brand, I hope they realize that I don't care if you shoot a Matthews, I don't care if you shoot a Hoyt, I don't care if you shoot a Bowtech. They're all great brands. And listen, I, you know, behind this camera, I've got like every new bow and I, I shoot them all. I shoot them all and I want to know, um, But, you know, Pete was 80 years old and, you know, PSE really was focused on doing a resurgence of the brand and, you know, come have their best year ever at 50th year, which they did. Um, I shouldn't say their best year ever, but certainly in a long, long, long time, um, I think there was a time where they might've did more numbers when they had uh, Nova's and Crossbow's kind of in that model mix but you know they really part of my job was to to help re-expose the brand to where you know pete is in his 80s like there comes a point where pse has to continue on without pete at the helm and so there was there was honestly numerous as the numbers grew and especially when they blew up you know the first 2 years that I was there the sales numbers was substantial and um you know they had to look at someone that was the right fit now unfortunately unfortunately uh most of the options that were out there were actually remaining silent and talking through it and PSC was trying to find the best fit for them and their employees And really the vision of their brand and, you know, someone came forward that was very vocal about the fact that they were going to buy it, you know, and, and needless to say, Pete has a decision on who does buy it. And so, you know, there was definitely a decision that was made of, this is not the right fit for PSE. And I honestly made it pretty clear that, you know, if I'm going to stay around, I want to I want to stay around with the right person too. I don't want to end my career um you know, I want to pick and choose who I work for to end my career. Let's just say that. And the awesome thing was it really came down to several really good options um and the option that it ended up going with um which is the Heritage Group. I'm really excited about because out of everybody they were the ones that were communicating with me from the very beginning of hey this is an option for us uh we want to make sure that you're part of that and we want to talk with you about the pros the cons what we need to do and so you know listen i personally i worked for i worked internally at matthews for almost a decade i worked externally but directly under Mike Looper at Hoyt for a decade and or over a decade and then now you know I I don't want to work internally at a bow company right now um but I also feel like I understand the processes and I understand the needs of what archery companies need and this is such an awesome fit and there's people out there that, have, that were a little bit nervous about, you know, a, a money group that a lot of people don't necessarily know about coming in and buying PSE. But the reality is for PSE's dealers and for the, cons- the lifetime consumers, this is the best thing that's happened because, you know, Pete was individually right. like trying to run PSE. And that's very, very hard. And the marketing, you know, there there wasn't there wasn't the budget or the structure there for marketing that needs to happen for honestly, it needs to happen for any good product. And it's and it's an important brand for our industry. Listen, like these these big bow companies and the big arrow companies, they have to be here and they have to be healthy. And if you as a consumer want to know what's new they have to be able to spend money with Christian to be able to be in the magazine to where you can see that this is the new bow. And I can tell you that, you know, with, with the cost of manufacturing going up at a, at a very high rate and the availability of material going down during COVID um, marketing was getting tough for people. You know, it really was. And especially when you have someone that's in their eighties, like think of this, you have someone that's in their eighties running a company to where he probably used to buy ads for like two or $300, you know, or now the same ad might be 3000 or 4,000. So, you know,
1: these guys coming in, just think about somebody in their eighties running, running the whole country, John, think about how hard that would be. I mean, Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> it's happening, dude. <laughs> it's happening. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, there out of all the out of all the options, I can say that they had they had two very good options in my opinion. Um, but the option now are they they were very very upfront and clear to me about how you know what how what hasn't psc done to help support your initiatives and so you know i was i was able to tell them you know hey i can't be the only one marketing the new bow you know i can't be the only one marketing the new bow and you know i need i would love to have you know more support at the total archery challenges on my target so that i can you know so i can interact more with people and just all these different things. And I told them, you know, Hey, you can't like when you win Vegas again, like have the freaking ad ready to go and be ready to spend some money on some ads. And that was just, you know, not the way that it worked before, but the reality is like, PSE, I mean, listen two, either two out of three or three out of four of the world's biggest indoor events. PSE is one. And you know, and then a PSC just shot a, you know, Chris Shaft just shot an eleven ninety nine out of a twelve hundred. I mean, that's freaking insane. If you're, these are inner tens, like the size of a dime, at U.S. Nationals. So I mean, it's like this is the the most accurate scores in the world being shot right now is with the PSE. and we didn't have the marketing ability to like, let people know about it. So now we're going to have that. And we're also going to have, you know, people that, and I can tell you another concern I've seen was, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of equity groups that are consuming smaller archery companies. And then they, they literally take their product to a production. That's just cheaper to manufacture. And the quality goes down. I understand that concern the reason this was acquired by heritage was because they were so focused on the us manufacturing that pse does i mean it's the only carbon bow that's totally made in the usa like that process is absolutely critical to the new focus and new direction of the heritage group which when this stuff is brought forward and it's transparent to me who's literally a guy that's you know at his own dojo doing his own thing but trying to support this brand um that was absolutely critical and truthfully if i tell everyone out there one of the things i i was clear about um on whether or not i would stay and and renew was i told him that it's it's really an important thing to me to be able to speak openly about other brands and That I think me shooting the bow that I think is the most accurate for me speaks for itself, but I also want to be able to, you know, I also want to be able to help out people that are using other brands and not feel like, you know, I don't. Well, with some companies, I can just tell you the contract says like I can't even post someone else using another brand, and that in itself is a is a big limitation for me. You know, I want to be able to any grassroots person that comes up to me if they're shooting a different brand i want them to know 100 percent. i look at them right in the eyes like every freaking archer and bow hunter that i can appreciate and i don't care i've shot them all i've shot them all i'm very very fortunate to start my first ever bow i bought was a PSE. part of that honestly resonated with me of you know it would actually be cool to like end my career where I started. Like that was kind of cool. Which I could say the same thing with Matthews. You know, if I went back to Matthews, um, you know, I'd I'd kind of end where I started internally. So um, you know, and even at this point, if I shot a Matthews again or I shot a a, a Hoyt again, those are all those are all homes for me that you know, i I've, I've I had never burned the bridge there, um, and I and I I still really care a lot about the people that are internal in all those companies. But I can tell you that PSE is a whole new ecosystem too. Their their employees, their just everything they do is so different than Hoyt, so different than Matthews. Um, but I just freaking love how the bows shoot for me. I love I love that and. The new ownership is just going to allow me to to really take the reins of what I'm passionate about and go with it. And they understand that the best interest of the company is still what I'm looking at. But at the same sense, I want to look at what's awesome for the whole industry as well so that we can keep it going.
1: Well, I mean we need a whole lot more of that attitude in the whole world because there's no doubt you know (laughs) in the archery industry yes uh i mean i'm pretty tuned into it i get it like yeah some of these companies these brands they get pretty bent out of shape like if there's even like one little mention of anything that they don't control and what they don't realize is if you really want to build credibility if you really want to build relationship, and you used the word bridge, if you really want to build a bridge over to those customers of your competitor, don't be so bent out of shape about sharing a little bit of light or just admitting what everybody are, or knows. You know, I mean, I immediately started thinking about politics as you were talking, and I was like, this is the problem with the world today because we've become so, you know, if you're a Republican, You can't say anything good about a Democrat or vice versa. And what we really need is we need people like John in the archery world to stand up and say, you know what, I might not agree with that person on a policy or an idea, but guess what? She's an awesome person because I know her. She loves her kids. She loves her husband. Oh, guess what? You know, so do I. And you know, my kids go to school with her. And you know what I mean? And if we started to see each other, like you said, we're all chasing the same passion of bow hunting. And it doesn't matter what kind of arrow you shoot or what your favorite broadhead is. And then we start to come together as a community and realize that we do actually have things in common, you know, that probably go beyond our our brand preferences, which at the end of the day are are honestly kind of petty because as to your point, guess what? There's like 100 good broadheads on the market. You know what I mean? So if we want to sit around all night and drink beer and argue with each other over which one is the best, we can do that if it entertains us. But it doesn't mean that like there's still not 100 good broadheads out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, when I look at, well, I, you know, like the FOC debate and like momentum debate. Like people come to me and, and, uh, you know, if they see me shoot something and I don't pass through, you know, they're like, oh, geez, you know, you needed a 700 grain arrow or whatever. Listen, I, I've never hunted, I've, I've hunted two animals in my life with an arrow that heavy. And it was mainly because I had to, but like, I'm, I kill with what I have and I believe in what I have. And honestly, I'm not, a, am not totally sold on whether or not I want an arrow to pass through an animal, if I'm totally honest with people. um, So, you know, I go with, I go with what's working, but I also understand there's another opinion to it, but yeah, we have to, we have to not necessarily finger point because here's the deal. We can like, we can't make enough releases for some of our followers. So if there's other companies out there, you know, PSE can't make enough bows for the entire industry. Matthews can't make enough bows for the entire industry. Easton can't make enough arrows. I mean, they honestly want to make sure they're functioning at capacity. And yeah, they're going to want to grab as much as they possibly can. But our our industry is vast and we need a lot of great manufacturers that not only provide good products that don't get people hurt but we also need products that you know we need brands that that allow margins so dealers stay open you know if a dealer if if your local awesome archery shop can't stay open well guess what not everyone's going to work on their bow from their home by watching some cool videos you know they they need that store you know
1: and, and and along those lines, you want to start talk, pointing fingers. Some of these people who are listening need to stop by and knock off rage broadheads on Amazon from China and then bitching and moaning because the broadhead doesn't work. Like some of that stuff is literally like junk counterfeit stuff. It's not just yeah. rage. There's, there's yeah. a lot of that out there too. If you're paying like $12 for a pack of broadheads that should cost $45, Ask yourself some questions, and what are you really saving, and what are you really doing to our industry too
0: yeah those those were rejected for a reason. the hardness wasn't correct, so they break <laughs> and then, yeah, then the factory wants to to recoup some costs so they they undercut <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, I think there's so many good things happening now um I'm excited to see where where p s e uh you know, lets me go moving forward. And um, yeah, I just, I've got my nose down. I want to put out a lot of great content. I want to hear more stories of people that are doing the best ever. And, and, you know, and then in between, I, tr- I try to bring out, you know, products like the Unite or, you know, this freaking quiver that, you know, I try to bring out things that I'm passionate about that no one's making the way I want them. So that's sexy. Um,
1: Tell me about that quiver, yeah. man.
0: Oh, have you seen one? Did I send no, you one? what? It, no, what is that?
1: I don't get any of your stuff. Oh, anymore,
0: I need to send you one. What the heck? Yeah, this, in my opinion, I took everything that I that I didn't have in certain quivers that were on the market and put it into this one. Uh, super light. Uh one of the things everybody likes is uh when what's this a, detaches on, off your on. bow.
1: What's it called? You got to tell me, tell me what it's what it's called first. Checkmate. Okay.
0: Checkmate quiver. You can get it on the website. Um but yeah, what's cool about it is, you know, this this bracket that uh mounts on your bow for your little dovetail. I've got a cool little thing right here to where you can you can have a follow up shot mounted on your bow all the time so you know you can always put an extra arrow on the side for your little mount super lightweight it's built on a radius so the overall the overall width of your arrows in the quiver is like 20 something percent smaller than a standard quiver so when you have like side pressure blowing on you you don't have near the drift but it's super lightweight it's got a Built-in little hook for you know whitetail hunters that are in the stand. The broadhead uh, foam yeah. fits every type of broadhead I, imaginable. I like that.
1: I like that. Uh, bracket got
0: rear, front, and rear deploys.
1: Yeah, I like I like that bracket. Uh, I I stopped I stopped taking my quiver off the bow several years ago, and I just don't mess mm-hmm. with it anymore. But for the whitetail guys who do. And there's an awful lot like here in Pennsylvania I know who do that's really nice that even when you take the quiver off the bow you got that hanging in the tree you have that arrow that stays on the bow because it's on the mounting bracket itself so you've got like you said a backup yeah. uh, arrow right there that you don't have to I mean how many times have we all done it back in the day I mean and that's one of the reasons I stopped taking off is like you know you you flub a shot and now, you know, you're trying to watch the deer, but you've got to turn around because you're quiver and you're trying to grab an arrow and you're making noise and you're moving all around. I mean, that's great.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Whereas for me, every time I have uh, the quiver on my bow, and especially if I'm hunting at a place that's not mine, there's always those dodgy easy hangers that as soon as you hang too heavy of a bow on it, the whole thing like pivots out of the way and almost drops your bow to the ground so i I, i've always just gotten the habit of taking mine off but so many of the things that we make at knock on archery are just problem solving things um you know honestly all of them are things where i'm like why doesn't anyone do this and then i'm just like you know what i can do it like what am i even talking about i can just
1: do it well start making some stuff for us lefties the problem with all the hangers in people's stands is they're on the wrong side everywhere and i shoot i shoot most <laughs> of my deer if i'm hunting with outfitters i shoot most of the deer facing the tree because the stands are set up backwards but uh, other than that it's fine oh man yeah,
0: I, f- I, I, think, feel I feel you i feel you
1: I think I got a two episoder here, Dudley. This is good work. This is going to be like 90 minutes of Dudley goodness. I think I can just break this into like two 45 minute shows and get two weeks out of it.
0: Oh, geez. Just do another one.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. I'll have to wait and see. Well, maybe
0: hardworking people that want to hear this on a Monday, they want
1: some Tuesday. We drop episode every seven o'clock every Tuesday morning. We drop and uh, yeah, somebody who's driving truck or something, we can get them through ninety minutes of highway with this. Or somebody who has a long commute to work, we might get them to and home again in one podcast.
0: Yeah, well, well, I think you should do it, dude.
1: All right, well, if since John John says just drop it all at once, give it all to him. I just don't want people to miss some of some of our best material was here at the end, you know. Yeah, that's all, very true. All the new very ownership true. group stuff and some political commentary. Man, if well, it we seems
0: can... like the common the common denominator with uh podcasts is whenever you like write down questions, they come across like that. But then once you get into conversation, then it's like you know, sitting at a hunting camp where where me and you are just shooting the bull, and yeah, that's when it comes off and it's it's more natural
1: for sure yeah well i don't ever hardly write down questions that's that's part of the problem is not always as prepared as i should be but when i know (laughs) when i know a guest as as well as i know you i'm not too worried about it and i figured we'd be fine and lo and behold we were so with that my friend i will let you go i got another geez it's 20 of 10 man i've got my weekly staff call in 20 minutes i gotta let you go Sounds good. We'll have fun with that. Give my best to sure, and it won't be as fun as this podcast. But uh, gotta <laughs> gotta keep things moving along over here at Peterson's Bow Hunting.
0: Thanks for doing what you do, man. Hey, okay, same to you. Everybody appreciates
1: it. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting
0: magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.